Why are police photographing our license plate? What are we doing for veterans returning home damaged physically and mentally, suffering from depression, homelessness, and suicide? Why did the Supreme Court deposit corporate money into our electoral process? Should we redefine middle class as working poor? Or is it just another Wall Street merger? What's really behind new voter picture ID laws in certain states? Why aren't NBC, ABC, CBS, and Fox asking these questions? Welcome to the Reasonable Voice radio show. I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice. The mission of the Reasonable Voice is to connect the dots between politics and finance, the need for better and more affordable education, our humanity, world peace, and, of course, the arts, which we then gladly provide our listeners, the voting public, as informative food for thought to provoke their self-determination and appetite for equal economic opportunity and justice for all without truth decay. The Reasonable Voices are advocates prioritizing education, preserving our history, leading by example for a peaceful and prosperous world by evoking and embracing both creative artists and political unity as solutions to our challenges. Good afternoon. This is the Reasonable Voices News Talk radio program, and I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice. It's a busy time. As you all know, the headlines and and, uh, newscasts are going crazy about a lot of different things. We're going to try and and work our way through all of that uh, to talk about our coming elections. Because since the Wisconsin primary, my concern for the integrity of our November 2020 elections has increased, especially since the media coverage regarding, understandably, the coronavirus, COVID-19, may be drowning out one of this pandemic's greatest potential victims, and that's our electoral process. I don't trust what's going on at a national level and in some states, so I admit I'm concerned about our electoral process. So I invited my good friend, political mentor, and returning guest, Andrea Miller, to update us on what we might be missing in the midst of chronic pandemic media coverage and now, of course, following the murder of George Floyd, both peaceful demonstrations and violent destruction of property in more than 75 cities across America. Not that these things are not important, they are all important, but our all-important power to change such things is at the ballot box in elections. So, but I hope as much as possible, I'd like to couch our discussion today within the context of our guest, Andrea Miller's two-day Reclaim Our Vote Zoom meeting, Saturday and Sunday, May 30th and May 31st. But first of all, welcome Andrea Miller back to the show. How are you today? Well, thank you for inviting me back, Marcello, and thank you very much for attending our COVID-19 and the 2020 election summit. So thank you. The whole purpose of a summit is to give people an opportunity to think about what is going on in the context of a bigger picture. And we presented that bigger picture from the perspective of national leaders in national organizations that people know. 
I should also mention, of course, uh, for those who may not have tuned in before, Andrea Miller is the executive director of People Demanding Action. It is an incredible group, but it is only one of the hats she wears, as we will discover as we move on here in the discussion. We should also mention in the 2018 elections, Andrea designed and developed virtual phone banks for outreach to underrepresented voters in Virginia, in Alabama, and Pennsylvania, and now I believe she has targeted even more states, including Texas. One of the first things I'll ask, Andrea, is um, within the context of your recent Reclaiming Our Vote Summit, I wonder what do you think is the future or possibility of voting by mail? Well, we are working in six states, and they are six very, very interesting states in terms of what they either A, are doing, or B, are not doing. Mm. So, for the record, we are working in Alabama, Arizona, Georgia, Mississippi, North Carolina, and Texas. Interesting choice. Um, Tell us why those six states. Well, number one... Our board is predominantly a community of color board. So what we are looking at now when we do elections is we go into states where the voting population is at least 20% community of color. So for people who are like, why would you take those states and why aren't you doing Michigan, Ohio, or Pennsylvania? their voting population is not 20% community of color. So again, we work all of our elections through our 501c3 organization, Center for Common Ground. And the mission of Center for Common Ground is to empower underrepresented voters. And right now, we're defining underrepresented voters as community of color after the 2020 election when we convene the board we will be looking at adding 18 to 24 year olds regardless or of all races as underrepresented voters when you're saying underrepresented underrepresented where underrepresented in elected office And when you look at 18 to 24-year-old voters, there are no voters more underrepresented than them in an in elected office. Wow, I, I guess I knew that, but I. But when you say it like that, what is causing this? Is it their lack of experience, education, or they're just being ignored, or they're busy trying to start their lives? What What is it? It's, it's a combination of things. Mm. Part of it is that, number one, they are not normally recruited for elected office positions. In most states, in order to run for a city council seat, you don't even need to be 21 years old. Mm. You can be just over the age of 18. Again, remember, if we are willing to send 18-year-olds to war, then why can't they actually serve in government? 
And you know, I imagine most people, I think most people probably think of running for office and they think of Congress and the presidency where that would not be old enough. However, you make the point quite correctly that city council members and even in some places, mayors can be quite young as well, yes? Yes, that's true. And also, remember, they used to refer to Dennis Kucinich as the boy mayor. That's true. Because I believe Dennis was 23 years old when he became mayor of the city of Cleveland. And went on to be elected to Congress, too. Yes, exactly. And ran for president twice. Yes. Okay. But back to vote by mail. I understand from, frankly, from their own lips, why uh, Donald Trump and and Republicans who support him are against vote by mail. And I know that in the Reclaiming Our Votes Summit, you and, and other guest speakers in the panel were making it very clear that we can expect a great deal of disinformation on the subject of vote by mail. Can you sort of encapsulize that for us? Tell us what are we... What are the concerns there that we as the, we the people have to be concerned about and ready for? Well, number one, vote by mail. Most people are not used to the notion of voting by mail if you don't live in Washington, Oregon, California, Colorado, or Arizona. You're just not really used to the concept Mm. and the whole idea of vote by mail is simply we will send you your ballot you will choose who you want to vote for at home and then you will mail the ballot back now that sounds really simple right well (laughs) it is conceptually however some states are not really set up yet to really handle mass volumes of votes coming in by mail. Mm. Now, now remember, in many, many states, when you go into the polling location, if you have a paper ballot, you put that paper ballot in a machine which scans it and then makes an image of it and then counts it. Mm-hmm. In other places, you go into a booth and there's a machine and you make a selection on a computer screen, which then gets stored and automatically gets tabulated by the computer. Well, if we are doing vote by mail, now that means there is a very large volume of mail that is coming through and people at the boards of elections and county registrars now have to process the mail. Okay. See, normally when we vote, the county registrars, they're not counting anything. They're not opening the mail. Uh This changes that dynamic. Then my question would be, who, who's watching the people counting the uh, vote by mail? Right, uh, yes. right. And, and that is where things get interesting in that we need to look at, do we have the proper procedures in place to make sure 
and are counted at the right time. Mm. And the count is released at the right time. In the 2019 election, when people were early voting, we were getting, oh, wow, the early voting is looking good and it's going this way. Well, we really shouldn't be getting those reports Mm. about which way the early voting is looking. It's fine if they say, oh, wow, you know, 40,000 people in County X have early voted. All right, that's fine. But we don't need that, and it's going this way, Mm. to encourage people on the opposite side to turn out more or vice versa. Yes, yes. So, again, voting is supposed to be a secret process, and I love the way John Brakey puts it. Counting, on the other hand, should be a very public process. Yes. (laughs) What I like about Vote by Mail is it gives us a rather unique opportunity to make that count a far more public process. Yes. Which, yes. which of course we need, and we uh, most of us certainly know that the history it's, it's not that long ago, two thousand. Wow, two thousand. That's twenty years yeah. ago. Good. Twenty years. <laughs> right. Yes. Well, I remember yeah. it well. Twenty twenty. Yes. yes. Well, what about you know? And and I'm I'm not really switching gears because I'm still talking about how the vote is being. The election may be impacted by COVID-19 or or by who knows what's coming out of Washington these days. But most legal experts say it's not possible for Donald Trump to cancel an election. That's but, true. But what can, what can he do? I just don't believe he's just going to sit there and, and say, may the best man win. <laughs> well, well, let me tell you what we're seeing happening. Okay. In Georgia, the Georgia Secretary of State said, all right, Georgia was supposed to have their primary on March 24th. Mm-hmm. And they were like, okay, we're going to push the presidential primary back to June 9th, which is when they were going to have their congressional primaries so they said all right we're going to just roll all the primaries together and we're going to have them all at once mm-hmm. now the georgia secretary of state sent out vote by mail applications to roughly i think it was 7.2 million active registered georgia voters mm-hmm. so that means If your registration was inactive, you did not get an application. So people get the application, they have to fill it out, and then they have to mail it back. Now, in COVID-19, that stamp that people needed to mail it back because they didn't send it postage paid was problematic. What if you live rural, you live alone, you don't drive, and you have a stamp? What are you supposed to do? So that was challenging, and several groups sued and said, you can't do that. You've got to send postage paid so that people can just send it back. 
in Texas, Texas said, we are really going to limit who can vote by mail. And remember, Virginia just changed her law. Virginia used to be excuse required yes. to vote by mail or vote absentee as well. Yes. And so in Texas, they said the only people who can vote by mail, A, have to be disabled, B, have to be out of the county on election day and the entire early voting period, or they can be 65 years and older. So if you were a senior, you were automatically entitled to vote by mail. Now, what a lot of states did, Virginia did it, Alabama did it. They said, look, we get it. You can use COVID-19 and say that you've got major health concerns. I mean, what if you're 64? Mm. You're an older voter, but you're not yet 65, and you've got a lung condition, and you're concerned about COVID-19. So most states said, go ahead and use COVID-19 as your excuse, and you can go ahead and vote by mail. Well, the Texas Attorney General said, no, you're not using COVID-19 as an excuse. Our excuses stand. And so then... There was a lawsuit, and a judge said, look, everybody knows COVID-19 is no joke. Our most frequent, consistent voters are older voters. So anybody, and again, older voters, meaning 45 and up, Mm -hmm. anybody, you use the COVID-19 excuse, say you're disabled and vote by mail. Then the Texas Supreme Court came in and they overruled the first judge and said, no, we're sticking by what the attorney general said. We have got valid excuses. If you don't meet any of those, then no, you're not voting by mail. And then a federal judge overruled the Texas Supreme Court. So you can imagine voters going, well, Am I able to vote by mail or not? You know, it's like every week a new judge overrules the previous ruling. Yes. So a lot of voter confusion in Texas. Now, North Carolina, they say, oh, anybody who wants to vote absentee, knock yourself out. You can vote absentee. Here's the problem. When you go to vote absentee, they require two witnesses to your signature. Well, what if I live alone? What if I live rural? How am I going to get two witnesses in the age of COVID? Exactly. Exactly. All right. We're we're going to take a short break. We need to now. But we are talking with Andrea Miller and and listening to, of course, it reminds me, I always need to say for those who maybe haven't heard this before, that elections are under the power of each individual state. So it's not like one election, even though it generally happens on one day. Elections are 50 different elections and the states are in control. And so for a federal judge to jump in, as Andrea has just explained in the case of Texas, I think that's an improvement, but okay. Uh, We're going to take a short break. We're going to start the next segment with how we can see uh, the video of your recent Reclaim Our Vote uh, Zoom Summit, okay? We'll be right back with Andrea Miller. Stay with us. There's a lot more to come. 
Welcome to the Indy Fell Minute. In 2006, an inconvenient truth told us that global warming was upon us, that it was caused by the actions of mankind, and that the consequences would be dire if we took no action. Ten years later, broad predictions have coalesced into horrific specifics, and climate change accelerates. Really? Who says so? Important, trustworthy people say so. Check out the eye-opening documentary, The Age of Consequences. These aren't our simultaneously lauded and vilified scientists talking, but important and thoughtful world leaders. Those who bear frontline burden. They must plan for our survival. One of the first countries to go underwater will be Bangladesh. This will be a flashpoint. Did you know there is already a fence surrounding the entire country for controlling the inevitable mass migration? Many of the biggest crises of our times, Syria, the Sudan, the failed Arab Spring, and others, are already tied to climate change. With shocking imagery driving their points home, the predictions of these world leaders are grounded in grim reality. We at the Indy Film Minute are not political animals. We only watch movies and bring your attention to the good ones. This one is a powerful eye-opener. Watch it. You'll see. The Age of Consequences. Not in theaters. Discovery through rental. Welcome back to the Reasonable Voices News Talk Radio Program. I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, and my guest today is Andrea Miller. She really is a conglomerate. I don't know what umbrella it's under, perhaps as the executive director of People Demanding Action, but she is involved in many different organizations, all with many of the same goals, chief of which, certainly this time of year and in an election year, is the integrity of our elections, of our vote. As Andrea and I have said before on air, voting is not a right guaranteed us in the Constitution. It is a privilege, like driving, and we sometimes have to work for it. But the reality is, some people have to work a lot harder than others, based on the color of their skin, their address, their income, their ability to drive, their age. I mean, these things are not the things that should be determining our ability to elect our elected officials. So, Andrea Miller, but before we start any of that, could you please tell us um, how we can see at least uh, the first of the two videos that were shot during your Reclaiming Our Vote Summit over the weekend? We have a YouTube channel. So, if you go to YouTube and then look for the Reclaim Our Vote channel. The video will be there. COVID-19 and the 2020 elections, day one. We need to do a little editing on day two. Now, we did live stream both days to the People Demanding Action Facebook page. So if you go to Facebook, Facebook.com slash PD Action, you will be able to find both videos there. So when you go to Facebook.com slash PD Action, over on the left, go to videos, and then they will be right at the top, video number one and video number two. And you know, in a time when so many of us, regardless of your age or color, your address, so many of us, of course, are being bombarded, if that's a good word, by coronavirus, by peaceful protests. I guess the point I want to make is that 
when something like the murder on national television of a, a man, a black man, we who are not black look at that and know that would not have happened to you. And what's the difference? Only one thing, the color of the skin. So I want to get a little in more into that. Not that I have to encourage Andrea because she's made this kind of her life's mission. She has been involved in the pursuit of climate justice. Some of us didn't even know what that meant until she defined it for us. And she's a fierce advocate for solar energy and, and organizing for justice and fair voting practices. Again, as we mentioned at the end of the last segment, each state has control over this. And we know things are going on with governors these days. It's not like all governors govern the same, and or for that matter, even though governors who are trying to do the correct thing are overruled by their more conservative legislatures. That has happened too. Tell us the impact of presidential authority allowed to ignore the Constitution and the safety and security of American citizens, indeed to, dare I say, incite violence against them as they exercise their rights. What, Andrea can you tell us what is the added burden of women of any color of as you said 18 to 24 year olds of any address and of of course communities of color where we seem to if we think of them at all my god it's the last thing even something like placing what are those uh, generators from there and incinerators yes yes and where do we put those in fifth avenue where do we put those well, they are always placed in low-income, normally community of color locations. And again, you're going to have companies say, oh, they ended up there because the land was cheap. Yes, the land was cheap, but the other thing was there was an assumption that the people who lived there had no political power, had no political friends, and by elected officials would simply be considered expendable. So that takes me on to, and I'm going to be really quick, a topic that I always, always, always get into fights with quote, environmentalist, and that topic is carbon pricing. Mm. When we talk about carbon pricing, we are saying that we are going to allow pollution to continue. So because we are, A, going to find the company that's doing the polluting for doing the polluting. So if you follow that line of thinking, if pollution kills, then are you not allowing the richest corporations in the world to simply pay to poison? Mm. We don't like these people anyway. So, so what if they get poisoned? It's not in my neighborhood anyway. Mm. So, again, if we are doing this, it's okay because it's not in my backyard then we really need to think about what it is that we are doing. And if we don't want it in our backyard, how dare we allow it in anyone else's? You know, I'm so glad you said that because what we were talking about before, as well as that statement, reminds me of 
something that haunts me and will for a long time. The woman, young woman, was asked to say something about the protests regarding uh, George Floyd's murder. And someone asked about, what about COVID-19, the coronavirus? You're not wearing masks or whatever. You could be killed by that. And she took a moment and then she said, it's a tough choice, but the police are killing us too. Yes, yes, yes. And in Roanoke, Virginia, there was a protest and one of the people who was the leaders of the protest, who was with the Virginia Poor People's Campaign, related to us yesterday while we were doing our Tree of Life Church, Mm -hmm. that when they were peacefully marching, that a child that was with them spotted a sniper on the roof and it wasn't a sniper from some right-wing group these were law enforcement snipers and so one of the questions was well how do you know who they were and who they weren't Mm. and she explained they were on the rooftops of government buildings And when you looked up and scanned the buildings, you could see windows were open and you could see the rifles pointed out of the windows. And one of the buildings was the police station. And she said there was no one other than the police sharpshooters up on the roof of the police station. So again, and then in Richmond, peaceful protesters marching, being shoved into the street and into cars. Congresswoman Joyce Beatty in Columbus, Ohio, with a group of peaceful marchers, ended up getting pepper sprayed, trying to prevent a young woman from being hurt who, again, was shoved off the sidewalk by law enforcement, where, again, they were then going to say, oh, look, we've got people charging us, when she was literally being pushed off. Hmm. Well, Dr. Martin Luther King said the riots is the language of people who are not being heard. And right. uh, it's a shame it comes to this, but also, as you're pointing out, it, it is the peaceful people who we, the police are not making a distinction between those who are there clearly marching quietly and peacefully to, to exercise that right of freedom of expression, of, of peaceful assemble. And yet uh, we, we know that some people, I, I don't think Andrea or I are condoning the violence, but the, the point is the violence comes from both sides and yet it is not, I remember Hurricane uh, uh, Katrina, Katrina. When, when the press would say when Caucasians were seen doing things they weren't supposed to do, it was we're trying to get through this difficult time. But when black people were seen doing things they weren't supposed to do, here's some looters and whatever. I mean, really, that happened. I remember those news. There's just so much. Uh, you know, yes. COVID, yes. it's the election, it's the COVID virus, it's George Floyd, it's police brutality, it's violence where we don't want it. And it's people, by the way, coming back the next morning, if you don't haven't seen it, cleaning up the mess that has been 
been created by those who are breaking and burning. But Andrea, I know we're trying to keep it on the election, but the election is like the ultimate prize, I think, because all of these things are contributing to our problems. And 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 when I say our problems, I mean everybody, but I also have to say it is worse for women, it is worse for gay people, and it is worse for black and brown people. I don't care how bad your life is. It is worse for them. All of it. The COVID virus is worse for them. Uh, being able to vote is worse for them. And being able to stay alive. And it really impacts the way we raise our children, especially our sons, and what we tell them. What do we do with churches, for instance. I know Trump uses uh, the faith of many very sincere evangelical Christians and, and of course, um, uh, any church, but the churches in rural areas as well. What what do we do? Uh, what do we tell well, people well, of faith well, about well, voting? Okay, I'm, I'm immediately going to challenge that. Number one, if you are buying into a philosophy of hate. I'm sorry, but you're not that serious Christian anyway. No, that's so, true. whatever. I mean, I missed the part where Jesus was out there preaching hate. I mean, I missed that part of the Bible. Yes. I'm not quite sure where it was. Maybe that's one of the lost chapters, but the chapters they printed, that part was not in there. You know, oh, it's okay to hate these people because we don't like the color of their skin, or we can hate these people because, eh, you know, they're they're weird. Which is why I thought it was so great that Sister Simone opened us up on Saturday, going back to the summit, saying, as a person of faith, I am absolutely blown away by what is happening and people of faith and of good conscience, people of real faith, actually are going to need to stand up and lock arms. Now remember in the 1960s, there's a photograph I'm remembering of Dr. Martin Luther King, Mm -hmm. and Dr. King is in the middle, and there are Catholic priests and nuns and a rabbi, and their arms are all intertwined. It was when our faith leaders, look at the Poor People's Campaign today, and our labor leaders and our civil rights leaders, when they all came together and said enough. It is not enough when it is just one group saying, no, we really shouldn't do that. It is when all the groups of people of conscience stand up. Now, there were glass was broken at the AFL-CIO last night in Washington, D.C. Why? Because the fraternal order of police, they are an AFL-CIO union. And one of the things that always makes it so hard to prosecute law enforcement is all the pushback and the blocking and the obfuscating that happens through their union. Yes. So that was why people were mad at the AFL-CIO. Okay. Back to the Reclaim Our Vote Summit. 
how are we going to help people of color or any color, but certainly people of color, rural areas in particular, without transportation, afraid of, as anyone should be still, of what coronavirus may deal to them? How do we help them on election day? How do we help them register? How do we convince them to vote by mail if they're not open to that? Well, the whole coronavirus has sort of forced us into dealing with vote by mail in a matter of weeks as opposed to working over a matter of years. Mm. What is going to be adding to it that will help us is the incredible old-fashioned right out of the 1960s voter intimidation that is being threatened by the other side. Mm -hmm. So again, when we look at Texas, we really are encouraging everybody that is 65 and older to vote by mail, avoid the polling locations. Now, in many of our target states, they have early voting, so people are not all forced to show up on the same day. So we are telling people, if you must Take your ballot to somewhere official. Let's get it done during early voting. So we are seeing a much smaller number of people wanting to vote on election day than we are seeing people who are telling us, no, I'm not putting my absentee ballot in the mail. Yeah, I got the thing. Yeah, I filled it out. Mm. I am bringing it. But People are saying, I'm going during early voting. Okay. So there is already a lot of recognition of let's be safe, let's be smart. Like for the first time in my entire life, I voted by mail this year. Huh. Normally, I do in-person absentee, go to the registrar's office and vote there. This year, I voted by mail. Let's take Virginia as an example. How do we go through the process of voting by mail? Is there a deadline that you can apply for it? What do you do? Now, in Virginia, the easiest way, if you have a Virginia driver's license or if you have a Virginia ID card, you can go to elections.virginia.gov and there you can request an absentee ballot be mailed to you. Now, when we did it, it took about three days to get the ballot. So you get the ballot, and now there are some instructions. Virginia normally would want a witness. In big letters, they're like, forget the witness. If you don't have a witness, that's okay. Just go ahead, vote your ballot. Now, there is a return envelope. doesn't have a stamp on it, but there is a return envelope. And you must sign the envelope. That is critical. Must sign, must sign, must sign. Sign the envelope, stick it in the mail. Now, little known fact, the United States Postal Service will deliver your vote by mail ballot even if you don't have a stamp. They recognize democracy 
democracy material. They will deliver it, and they will keep track of how many they delivered without a stamp, and then they will build that county election board for, you know, we had to deliver 200 of these uh, ballot things, and we didn't have stamps, so you're going to buy 200 stamps. <laughs> I love it. Right, right. Now, I recommend ordering your absentee ballot um, the day that you hear this broadcast because the Virginia primary election is June 23rd. So if you are going to mail that ballot back, remember from when they mail it to you and then you mail it back, could take as long as three or four days. When you get your ballot, Virginia will accept your ballot up until, I believe it's 5 p.m. on election day. One of the things we are trying to change is allowing for mail service to sometimes get a little spotty. We're trying to adjust it so that as long as you get your ballot postmarked by election day, you're good to go. Mm. In Virginia, get your ballot in, must be in the hands of your county registrar by June 23rd. So that means I would order that ballot no later than June 15th because you're going to order, they're going to get it, they're going to mail it to you by June 17th. Now that means you need to fill it out, put it in the mail June 19th or 20th, and then it should take one or two days to make it to your registrar's office. Are there other states of the six states that you're targeting that have similar hurdles? Yes. Okay. Yes. And again, remember, Texas is, isn't, is, isn't, oh, who knows, yes. depending upon what you look at, accepting COVID-19 as an excuse. Some registrars will follow what the attorney general has said. Others will follow what the courts have said. And in Texas, they've said, look, we have neither the staff nor do we have the authority to pursue, if you say you're disabled, we're going to just mail you the ballot. Some registrars are going to say you're not 65, we're not sending this thing. Uh, Again, in North Carolina, they still have a witness requirement. They're trying to get it down to one witness. We want no witnesses. But remember, North Carolina had to redo a congressional election because of absentee ballot fraud on the part of a conservative running for Congress. So this was not fraud by a voter. This was fraud by a congressional campaign. So there really is no such thing as large-scale individual voter fraud. Whenever we are looking at fraud, it is normally an elected official and or a county or county registrar. Individuals are not equipped 
to commit massive, deliberate voter fraud. Well, I think that's probably the best note on which we could end because it is so so specific and and just discounts all of the nonsense we're hearing, as you say, from the other side, trying to frighten people that somehow voting by mail is going to, you know, steal their country from them. But before we go, I would like us to speak to, because I know you did this during the Reclaiming Our Vote Summit, the idea that there may be armed people um, yes. at at the polls on voting days. Uh, tell us more about that and and how best to avoid it, which I guess is vote by mail. Right. The best way to avoid it is vote by mail. Remember the president invoking massive voter fraud is encouraging people to go to the polls and to go armed. Well, they're probably not going to show up in rich white neighborhoods, Mm -hmm. just saying. They are probably going to be heading over to community of color neighborhoods. And it's going to be very reminiscent of what we saw in Charlottesville in 2017. You're going to have folks showing up in fatigues with automatic weapons, In some places, you're going to have people showing up. I can imagine in Mississippi and Alabama on the back of pickup trucks flying Confederate flags, and they're going to be armed with their rifles. So, again, go vote. Just vote from the comfort of your home. There aren't enough of them to go to every single door and or stand in front of your mailbox for six weeks. Yes. Excellent, Andrea Miller. As always, an incredibly educational experience having a conversation with Andrea. This has been going on for years for Andrea. In one position or one organization or another, and as I said, she's brought them all together, all for the sanctity of the vote and protecting the voter, by the way, as well as the nation. Andrea Miller, the Executive Director of People Demanding Action, multi-issue advocacy group, a non-profit that promotes clean energy in Virginia and nationwide. Andrea, the former congressional candidate, the fierce advocate of solar energy, climate justice, and we need to be a part of that, fighting for fair voting practices and, and equal citizenship and equal pay, reasonable minimum wage. All of these things Andrea Miller has been fighting for through her most recently, perhaps six states where there are 20% of the voting population of people of color and making certain they get registered, etc. Could you please tell us um, how we can see at least uh, the first of the two videos that were shot during your Reclaiming Our Vote Summit over the weekend? We have a YouTube channel. So if you go to YouTube and then look for the Reclaim Our Vote channel. The video will be there, COVID-19 and the 2020 elections, day one. Now, we did live stream both days to the People Demanding Action Facebook page. So if you go to Facebook, facebook.com slash pdaction you will be able to find both 
videos there. So when you go to facebook.com slash action over on the left, go to videos, and then they will be right at the top, video number one and video number two. All of us owe a great deal to Andrea Miller. Thank you so much, Andrea, for being on the show. And we always wish you the very best and always welcome your return to The Reasonable Voices anytime. Thank you, Marcella. Thank you so very much. Thank you. Bye now and all the best. And now enjoy Watchfire Music featuring vocal artist Jenny Burton singing Tear Down the House from Is Anybody Listening? Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice, thanking you for joining us and becoming one of the reasonable voices heard round the world. America can't breathe without justice and equality for all of God's children. Our response to George Floyd's death and Trump's Insurrection Act threats can't be predicated by where our grandparents sat on the bus. In 2020, all of us are charged by Franklin's gauntlet, a republic if you can keep it. Seeing our land of the free through inflamed cities, lack of ICU beds, the mockery of trickle-down economics, owner-class gluttony, and the Republican Party and President consistently making America worse for those they've rarely seen or heard, like Native Americans, women, LGBTQ, and low-wage earners, until George Floyd's murder. Whether peaceful demonstrations or violent protest stations, COVID-19's 1,770,384,000 American cases and over 105,000 deaths cannot be deleted from our hearts and minds. It can't make us immune to an inept, too-slow-to-act executive branch, nor blind us to government support delayed is medical supplies denied, because Congressional NRA gun violence protection, environmentalists believing they've accomplished something by only fining methane gas toxic-emitting pipeline companies, and the fraternity of police clubbing with the blue no matter what they do. 
conservative Republican disciples worshipping at the unpresidential altar of one who refused to serve in uniform, betrayed his country to a foreign power, now attempting a rerun of Andrew Jackson on steroids, caging asylum seekers, flirting with John Adams's Sedition Act, and believing states under his personal authority, declaring governors weak for not being made in his egregious image. Safely behind Secret Service protective arsenal, insisting state governments arrest, track, and threaten Americans, the commander-in-chief of fatigue-wearing extremists distributes disinformation to rehearse for Election Day. So the choice is ours. Respond like Eleanor Roosevelt and Marian Anderson, Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. for all of God's children, and Senator Robert F. Kennedy with America's farm labor movement, or be gangbangers hanging Kentucky Governor Andy Bashir in effigy. We can settle for governors, senators, and a president to whom we are invisible, or we can vote them out of office even if by mail. Listen, whether radical left or right, without a multicolor centered, secured by United We Stand, extremes and extremists will evaporate the us in the USA. We must test, trace, and treat not only COVID-19, but the conveniently warped interpretation of the poor you will always have with you, and the root of evil that presses its knee on the neck of those left behind when our nation was born with a pre-existing condition, slavery. Yes, we can assume African Americans will return home and accept our complacency until the next I can't breathe, or we can accept the opportunity to stand together for what we're for, instead of continually fighting amongst ourselves over what we're against. COVID-19 and violence against each other automatically seize upon the path of least resistance, just as white-collar criminals, whether at the seat of government or power puppeteers in private enterprise, attack what's most vulnerable— our right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. The most resistant to COVID-19 truth are those who choose to ignore the common sense of scientific fact, endangering themselves and all with whom they come in direct or indirect contact. The most vulnerable are wage earners who cannot afford to stay safe at home nor desert those of us for whom working at home is an easy choice. Ask yourselves this, what are we doing to the least among us, those most ignored by our government, banking corporatism, and ourselves, the unemployed, underemployed, uninsured, underinsured, veterans, the elderly, and our children? We, the empowered by free will, can choose to either be a Trump-McConnell pawn or a thinking, decent human being to all. We can yield to conservative Republican fascism or be good stewards, good Samaritans, and good neighbors. Can we not yet see 2020 is our wake-up call? Vengeful leaders and phony patriots incite our violence against each other to distract from an indiscriminate COVID-19 to maintain control of us and of the pigmentation battlefield. Like COVID-19, the response to the murder of George Floyd recognizes no city limits nor state borders. And in the wake of George Floyd's death, 
protesters have taken our grievances to the very gates of a hellish administration cowering behind violence inciting tweets in its occupation of our 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. I can't breathe is ringing in the ears, lives, and streets all over America. It, like COVID-19 and climate change, is a supreme warning, which, if we allow Trump to use his lack of religion to intimidate voters with a Second Amendment preamble to martial law, we do so at America's peril. We can break windows and set fires, or use our 2020 elections to clean up the carnage left by Trump administration looters and lawbreakers. We can stop calling ourselves the home of the brave or confess Lafayette Square is now our tenement square and give America our last full measure. Thank you, and join us. Become one of the reasonable voices heard round the world. Thank you for continuing to listen to, support, and share the Reasonable Voice Blog Talk Radio with family and friends, especially online. We enjoy hearing from you, and in response, yes, we are now accepting new company and business advertisers and welcoming organizations seeking to be one of our sponsors. So please do continue to email us at thereasonablevoice at gmail.com. However, if you prefer to simply make a donation, your donations are greatly appreciated and can be made through PayPal by clicking on the donate button found at the top of the homepage of the Reasonable Voice. Thank you for joining us today to make every day as reasonable as possible. We hope you will download and share our downloadable podcasts. I'm Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice, hoping you will become one of the reasonable voices heard round the world.